Hi, I'm Dr. Doran Schneider. I'm a general internist at Abington Health right outside of Philadelphia. And today we're going to talk about a landmark trial called the DCCT trial. And here to discuss this landmark trial with me is Dr. Jack Leahy. Uh, Doran, hi. Uh, I'm Jack Leahy. And just to introduce myself, I'm uh, the head of endocrine here at the University of Vermont in uh, Burlington, Vermont. Fabulous. Well, thank you for spending a few minutes with us here today, Dr. Leahy. Um, we wanted to uh, really uh, reflect on the history of the DCCT and then the continuation study called the EDICT study. So just to give everyone a foundation about what these trials are, what the trial is and, and uh, the EDICT study is, um, can you tell us a little bit about what happened in the EDICT study, which is a continuation observational trial? How many years did it go for and what, uh, what happened to the two arms uh, of the DCCT? Yeah, so this is, this is actually just, a, I think, a fabulous story. Uh, I am of the generation, I think you are too, quite frankly, where when the DCCT was published, I mean, it was incredible news in 1993. It changed, it changed our world. It changed how we thought about things. But somehow we thought it was a complete story. And that the story was that if you intensively treat people with type 1 diabetes in a way that was doable, and increasingly doable as, as treatments got better, that you will um, have a real important protective effect against microvascular complications. But in the original trial, there was no benefit for macrovascular complications. And in part, that was because they were, these are pretty young, for the most part, healthy people who, you know, are not we're not terribly at risk for cardiovascular events. And so, you know, you're not going to see much of a protective effect if you, not much was happening in the control group. So that's kind of what we thought was the finished story. And so what the EDICT trial was, was to take people who um, were now finishing the um, DCCT trial and continue to follow them, but no longer in any kind of controlled environment. So essentially the trial stops and all of the intervention stops so that the people who were the intensive group, uh, you know, within about a year, A1C started to loosen up a little bit and, and sort of drifted up to the high sevens because that's what happens. It's not easy to keep uh, an A1C of 7% um, with type 1 diabetes. It's really hard work. And when you're no longer in the, in the clinical trial, then it just loosened up a little bit. So they kind of went again. They rose a bit. And then the people who were in the control group who previously had had a hemoglobin A1C of 9%, they started to hear all of the wonderful things attached to the better control. And so they just naturally improved because I think the medical profession had adopted that, you know, this is important. So their A1Cs came down to the high sevens. And so somewhat serendipitously, these two groups within a year or so essentially equalized in terms of hemoglobin A1C and actually equalized in terms of uh, sort of treatment approaches. So they became one and the same now. There was no obvious difference between the two. And then they were just followed, and they were followed for close to another 10 years. And um, data was periodically collected to understand the different health issues of these individuals and see how they're doing. So that's the design with some pretty interesting surprises. Yeah, so a uh, very crisp uh, review of that observation, uh, observational 
follow-up study, which lasted almost 20 years, uh, and uh, you alluded to the interesting findings. So uh, let's start off first with the primary endpoints uh, regarding microvascular complications. Uh, what did we see as it relates to them? So, you know, what I guess maybe to try and understand why these are interesting, you might take one step back and say, well, what might you have predicted? And I think probably people would say, well, the prediction would be that when you have this difference in A1C, this in intensive uh, therapy difference, is you'll see a protective effect against uh, something, i.e. microvascular complications is what was identified. But now if the difference in A1C goes away, then in theory the protective effect will go away. It may take a period of time, but the concept would be that it'll go away. I mean, you need ongoing intensive therapy to maintain the benefit. And that is not at all what was seen. The initial protection against microvascular complications and, and the ones that have been mostly focused on are retinal, but there's been um, also a neuropathy in some of these that they continue. Something about that early period of intensive therapy gives a ongoing protective effect that is does not require maintenance of that intensive um, difference in A1C, which is kind of stunning if you think about it. Right, and I believe that that concept has been uh, one that has been named metabolic memory, uh, and I, I uh, believe that uh, it has really uh, fundamentally altered uh, the uh, way that we think about uh, the early and aggressive treatment of patients who, who are just diagnosed uh, really for um, uh, all the above reasons that you've just articulated. Uh, this is a, a lasting impact that you're making over decades uh, to really get uh, that, that initial early control. Uh, the uh, beta cells have, have memory. Um, so uh, let's then uh, focus on the big other shock that you've alluded to a couple times regarding macrovascular complications. Now you you did uh, clearly state that this is a, um, a very young population. They didn't have a lot of comorbidities. They didn't have a lot of cardiac risk factors. So we didn't see a lot of endpoints as it relates to cardiac outpoints, uh, outcomes in the DCCT. What did we see as it relates to cardiovascular outcomes in EDIC? So I love how you framed the question because shock, this is just more than shock. I mean, this is really a uh, altering event in our world, which is uh, this same lingering memory, uh, molecular mimicry, whatever you want to call it, was true for cardiovascular disease. And so all of a sudden, because the trial had now drifted out to another 10 plus years from the original um, seven years of the DCCT, you're getting older people who are having higher cardiovascular event rates and the same protection, sizable protection. We're not talking something a little dinky. I mean, we're talking at the sort of 30 to 40% protective range was still there years after the trial was over. And again, I emphasize that not only had A1C um, come back to be equal during the 10 years they weren't in the trial, but blood pressures were the same, lipids were basically the same. I mean, none of the cardiovascular risk factors that we think about easily explains any of this. There was something magical, magical, about that first six to seven years of intensive blood glucose control in these patients, which continued to be present 
20 years later. And I don't think we have a time where it's ended yet. I mean, maybe it's going to go forever. So uh, a stunning observation that now covered not just microvascular complications, but macrovascular complications, and totally moved the conversation of um, intensive blood glucose control and protection away not just from microvascular issues, but long-term macrovascular issues. So it uh, really uh, span it, it uh, crossed the gamut uh, of uh, microvascular and macrovascular uh, improvements uh, in endpoints, and thus uh, was a, a trial that that uh, really shook the landscape, uh, and will never be repeated. Uh, quite confident of that. Well, Jack, I really want to thank you uh, for. Uh, reviewing uh, and really giving us the context uh, of those uh, studies as, as it relates to how we monitor patients over time and to help us all be grounded in fact uh, and not fiction but fact as to what expectations we can get from uh, that uh, type of control. Uh, what I'd like to do is wrap it up right now uh, and refer uh, our listeners to betacellsindiabetes.org uh, for additional information. Uh, and uh, at this point, again, one final thank you for uh, Dr. Leahy and an eloquent review of the trial. Uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you, Dr. Leahy. Thank you very much.